This is Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. From the corporate office to the cab of a truck, they're here to inspire and empower women in all professions. So gear down, sit back, and enjoy. Welcome to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy DeCaro. We're a show that works to inspire and empower women in every profession and lifestyle. Whether you're at home, in the office, or in the cab of a truck, we help power you on the road to success. We tackle all kinds of topics and work to encourage women to be their very best with informative guests and women who've been champions. I'm Shelley. And I'm Kathy. No topic is taboo on our rig. We tackle the tough topics along with the not-so-tough topics. And we like to feature experts and celebrities who can assist women in being the very best they can be. You know, empowerment for women is something that we're passionate about. Robert Charles is an author who's penned several books to empower and inspire women from a variety of ages. His book, Trillion Dollar Gal, The New Sisterhood of Power, talks about the decisions that women over 40 must make to be successful. It provides clarity and strength to women. He also wrote The Theory of Swag, A Young Women's Guide to Success and Health. Both books focus on finding independence and empowering that goal with a specific plan. Women drivers have written Robert as they've left their traditional jobs to find entrepreneurship and independence. And Robert's here today to help women find their true entrepreneurial spirit and avoid being distracted by family and lovers who can hurt their success. Welcome, Robert. We're very glad to have you on the show today. Thank you, Shelley and Kathy. I appreciate the time and the opportunity to talk about a subject that's very close to my heart, at least for the last 20 years. I thought we could begin with your background and how did you get inspired to write empowerment books for women? That's so very important. Well, the irony is I was a producer, a director, and a writer. I wrote the Broadway play and the life story of Babe Ruth and I've done many documentaries. I was a sitcom writer. Um, so my background has always been in television. And um, my wife had been diagnosed with breast cancer um, several years ago, and it was a tough battle for us. She went through eight surgeries, and there was no way that I could be on the road, uh, which is kind of ironic to our topic and subject matter, and be away. So I started to help people I knew in the area of marketing and promotion, and I suddenly was attracting book authors. I was attracting people that were in early software years developing projects. So I suddenly was in marketing and helping in PR campaigns and programs. And at that time, it was important me for me to be home as Annie was going through all the surgeries and going through just a, a tremendous amount of challenge for us. I was blessed because four of my brothers were physicians. I have four nieces that are physicians and surgeons. So I had a family of doctors that could really help me make this transition. And this is where my marketing started to grow when I was talking to Dr. Lois Lee, who founded Children of the Night one day, and we were talking about she rescues young women off the streets of Hollywood and puts them into a program where she educates them, clothes them, feeds them, and educates them for four to five years and prepares them for the real world with transitional jobs. And it's an amazing wow. what she's done. She now works with Interpol all over the world and has set up various programs. So I wrote the first book, um, The Theory of Swag for Young Women. And my goal was 19 to 29. After I finished the book and its popularity, she wanted us to promote that young women did none to 15. She cares. So I, I wrote the book so they could put it in a backpack or put it in a purse. We priced it very low. We wanted women to start reading the importance of independence. And we handled it with sensitive nature. We, we focused on religion, respect to parents, um, early relationships, male dominance, and that's what started. And after the success of that book, we started to see a pattern receiving thousands of emails. And we saw the pattern was about their mothers. Their mothers were where they emulated their life, the decisions that they made. And I must say that in 90% of the cases, relationships and dreams were derailed by the significant other in their life. And that really was what charged me. So in writing The Trillion Dollar Gal, the reason it was titled that is because women control 
consumer spending, they control the financial economy, the largest transference of money that will happen now and in the next 10 years will be to widows and young women or women who have received money from elderly parents. And so now the investment world are chasing women <laughs> because they will control the financial side of this. And I was very inspired by a dear friend, Victoria Felton Collins, who wrote a book called Love and Money. And in it, she talks about the line between, don't confuse the two. Love is love and money is money. And oftentimes in marriages, males tend to make sure that that money is able to control decisions. So that's kind of what inspired me to start writing books. And the nice thing about it is I start receiving emails from women. And I remember when I uh, did a documentary on road warriors that opened the door in the trucking industry. And I started talking to a lot of men at first that were on the road. Then suddenly uh, back about 15 years ago, 10 years ago, women started to, I saw dominance in the trucking industry. And Mm -hmm. And uh, what a wonderful opportunity, not only of independence, but making your own choices of, of income, your own choices of your time, and how they operated on the road. And then I became just fascinated about the importance of trucking in America. Um, the, it's an industry that is, I think, needs to be highlighted so much more than it is today mm-hmm. on the importance of it. We don't hear about trucking until there's obviously a pandemic and other situations that may incur it to be in the main news. But I'm fascinated by the women that do this. You know, it's interesting. You're talking about how the significant other can really derail a person. I can personally (laughs) identify. I was married very young. I was still in college. Uh, I remember my ex-husband, he locked me out of, um, we lived in a mobile home at the time. He locked me out. I was studying for exams and I couldn't get in to study. And I remember he had a company car. And I, I couldn't get his attention. I went out and I, I was holding a brick next to the windshield of his company <laughs> car. And I said, if you don't let me in, you're going to have to explain this to your boss. <laughs> Guess what? He let me in. <laughs> he sure did. <laughs> you know, and, that, and that's, I mean, the symbolism in that is amazing because <laughs> that's what it takes to say uh, w- women forget the empowerment. And I, in the book, I talk about women have been trained since childhood to please others and it's please mom please dad uh, please the boyfriend in high school the teacher please the employer then the professor consistently having to please others and slowly what fades away is what was that dream i have a client right now who is 70 years old she retained me to polish a play script for her. Mm-hmm. And I had to literally teach her how to write for the theater because it's very different than writing a book. Sure. And so we did that. And we, I said, we can pitch this at a higher level because this really would make a wonderful animated movie. And so we took it to Disney. Disney loved it. And we brought in, um, we pitched it to a very, very popular top three female singer. She loved it. And we're developing it now for her with this celebrity. Now, whether it moves forward, we don't know. But Mm -hmm. the point is, she is 70 years old. And she's absolutely in awe of her life at 70 Mm -hmm. to be able to fulfill a dream of the script that she's been writing for 20 years. Um, to see it come to fruition because she was never trained and she even talked about her her late husband exactly mm-hmm. in the same way she goes he was a lovely man but he was very Italian and he wanted things done in his way and this would have never happened if he were alive oh shit. And, I, and, and it's a heartbreaking because each generation seems to mirror the other yeah and it's going to be women like you and shows like yours that will break, crack this mold and say, you know what, it's okay to be independent. The negative messages are really big worldwide to the younger population and to actually a lot of women. Messages such as, like, who do you think you already even want to do that? Or you're not good enough. Like, who, you're kidding yourself. Like, look look at you. You know, you're, you're not worth that. And, you know, all those negative, low... Uh, battling, you know, self-image that just creates the woman doubt, self-doubts that, oh, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm not pretty enough, or maybe I'm too fat or, you know, I'm not worthy enough. Or so then it just, it smashes them. 
And I Kathy, know I'm speaking, you, you're you're right on point. You're exactly yeah. right on point. The and that starts at a very young age. Uh, and I've seen it with women in my life, and I've seen it with people that have written me that pattern, that negative mm -hmm. pattern. And you do start to believe, well, maybe I am dreaming. Maybe I am. I, yeah. I remember, I, you know, I landed up, I go way back, landed up in television, and I accidentally got hired to produce um, a television show called The Dating Game, The Newlywed Game. I was brought in. They, they accidentally, they accidentally hired me. They thought I was someone else, and they didn't realize it until two weeks into the job that it was that, that I wasn't That's Rita great. Moreno's nephew. And um, <laughs> and at that time, I would be I was the only Hispanic sitting in the lobby, you know, and and so they just assumed with Hispanic blood that, oh, this must be him. And two weeks later, I was doing so great in the job. They offered me the job and I stayed in television. And so it, it, I think the important thing here is the negativity that the influencers have on you mm -hmm. and to convince someone that they have it, that they should pursue that dream. And that's, that's the gift we're given. I wrote a book called An Interview with God. And in, the, in it, in this fantasy writing, God says, I give you two things, and that is life and choice. Mm -hmm. And what you decide and what choices you make is going to be the pattern. And you're going to fail because fail is part of succeeding. We've all failed. We've all done things, and we have to find that that energy to be able to stand back up and say, okay, one down, I, I, I can run at this again. And just the message Kathy just said, the negative starts from family members and those and people you know, who supposedly love you. The thing is, it lasts a lifetime because yes. when I lost my nursing career and I ended up uh, having to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up at 42, I was, I got the opportunity to, um, to become, to take a heavy equipment operator course at the age of 42. And those negative messages, they were persistent in the back of my mind saying, Kathy, you're 42, you're a woman. Who do you think you are that you're going to have this new career operating, you know, equipment like, and it went on and on and on. But the only thing that powered me through that was myself, my own self-talk and the fact that I had nothing left to lose. I mean, really, I was homeless. I, I mean, not homeless, like just I had nothing. And I had this, I had eight hamsters, one wheel in this noggin and, you know, pumping gas at a gas station wasn't an option. So <laughs> I said, I'm going to do this. So, but what, what was the beautiful thing is that as I was going, because it was a 12 week course, as I was going from equipment to equipment to equipment, different, different ones, I would get on it like an excavator and I'd be holy cow, like, I got this, I can do this. And I'm loading it, I'm loading a rock truck. And the empowerment that gave me, like, oh my, the, the instructor was jumping up and down. He says, can I marry you? You're awesome. Oh, that's <laughs> great. The girls in the pickup were jumping up and down, cheering me on. But what was most empowering was that here I am smashing all those negative messages that I've had with me since I'm a small girl, that I'm not yeah. good enough, that I can't do it. And to here I am in a man's world operating equipment and uh, yeah, I can do it. And oh my God, look at me. I'm even good at it. Right? You know, Kathy, you brought something yeah. up. One, one sentence I told myself, I mean, that is huge. That's yeah. major. That is the inspirational turning point. I, you know, when you tell yourself you can do something despite the odds yeah. or despite the challenges you're going to face. We have a documentary in the making called the neuroscience of the American woman. And really it starts, it studies the mental and emotional pattern of how women's brains work. And we've so far interviewed women, um, sommelier, which are wine tasters, which is a male dominated world. Uh, we have cruise ship captains that are women now, um, we have, you know, we have amazing women in the federal courts as judges. I mean, mm -hmm. there's nothing that women have not proven that they can't do. I mean, we have. Well, I mean, look at my world. We operate yeah. the largest equipment in the world. And there are lots of women, yes. tiny little things, five foot nothing that are operating the biggest shovels, these electric shovels that are like massive. They're the size of ships. And these young, I, tiny little things are, are running them. It's awesome. I have a niece. I have a niece who's five foot. She's an orthopedic surgeon. She has to stand up on a stool to use the saws 
in <laughs> surgery, cutting <laughs> bones. And, and, and I think something in her DNA is like what Kathy said, something in me said I can do. She was being tried yeah. to talk out of it, even by her own father, who's a physician, yeah. who was told, you know, well, do you really want to do that? <laughs> you know, that's yeah. really tough. There's a lot of easier things women can get into as physicians. And she says, no, I, there's no reason I can't do this. And so the point is, is that that voice that Kathy had, it's the voice that Shelly had with a brick in her hand. I mean, yes. these, this is what this is important about. This is what the topic should always be, is listen to that inner soul. Stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors coming up. Great leaders challenge their people not to stop at the first right answer. Tighten the Lug Nuts is the book that will help you move past that first right answer to be more effective, more productive, and more successful. This book serves as a blueprint that can be easily applied by leaders, entrepreneurs, truckers, owner-operators, all of us in our everyday lives. This is one of the best leadership books you can read to help you accelerate towards your personal and professional goals. Plus, a portion of the proceeds will be donated to truckerschristmasgroup.org. Visit tightenthelugnuts.com to order your copy today. Kathy DeCaro is nothing short of amazing. She not only drives the world's biggest truck as a heavy equipment operator in Northern Alberta, Canada. She's an international motivational speaker and the author of Dream Big, an autobiography about overcoming a lifetime of trauma and abuse that led to dreams of success. Kathy inspires people the world over to change their lives and improve their self-worth. Her book will change your life. She's passionate about personal growth and believes anyone can change their circumstances and overcome their obstacles if they believe in themselves. Her life will amaze you and seriously inspire you. Be sure to order a copy of her book, Dream Big, on Amazon.com. Welcome back to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. You know, what I found is that through, because I deal with a lot of women, I work at women's shelters, I go to schools, I work with the young girls from 14 to 18. I mean, I'm everywhere. And the common denominator, which I tell them, is that it's going to hit you. It's going to come at you left, right, and center. These negative um, self-image, these negative talk, you are the only one that is uh, empowered to talk yourself through it to, yeah. to come when it comes to say, because it's going to come, but like, I'll give you an example here. I am operating the biggest truck in the world. It is, it is two and a half stories high. When the box is up, it's five stories high. It's 3,800 square feet. I mean, wow. I drive a mammoth of a house. Right. And as I'm the first month I'm coming, I'm driving along and I get this really, really bad post-traumatic flash. Like I'm seeing all the most violent, images of my life the most degrading the most humiliating and i can hear the words screaming at me you're useless you're a waste of skin you pollute the air and i'm hearing this and i'm driving through this really busy this intersection and there's a long lineup of of trucks down one way trucks the other way people are getting out of their trucks just because when one of these trucks goes by the sound alone is impressive they're not looking at me they're looking at the 14 foot tires of course but so in the cab here i am overwhelmed like it, it 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 took my breath away that the the tent like the, the the whole violence thing and so I could have easily um fallen into that that negative concept that you know what oh I, I shouldn't be driving this truck and I, maybe I am worthless you, you know you know how that goes of but course. instead I stopped it I rolled down the window I took all that negative vibration and I threw it out the window but in the meantime, here I am left with this gaping hole inside my heart. And so I took the negative out and I replaced it with something positive. And what I did, this is silly, but it empowered me at the time. I did the queen wave. Okay. <laughs> and I'm waving to all the security guys and the people looking at the truck. I'm like, hi, it's Kathy. Good How are you? Yeah. Because it was the one thing that enabled me to get my power back. To not let those negative messages take over, take me over. And I'm like, who is, to all those people who told me that I wasn't good enough, 
who is driving this truck? Me, not them, me. I had to talk myself through it. And that's what- You're so right. Yeah. You're so right. Because the, the neuroscience of the brain is designed to be positive, but it's been programmed your entire life to be negative. So it's going to be the comfort zone where you're going to go. Isn't that ironic? Your yeah. comfort zone is to demean what you're doing, yet you have to fight it with the opposite that got you through that tremendous, uh, I can just see the scene of you challenging that negative thinking. And I think that's what's important. And again, whether it's the, whether it's the brick in Shelly's hand or whether it's this four-story you know, uh, mm-hmm. carriage that you have, the both those parts of the brain kick in. It's on the same side of the brain that kicked in that you both had. And that's what's phenomenal. That's what we're able to do. Do men have the same kind of processing? Um, do they tell themselves, gee, I can't do this? Or is that something that's unique to women with their conditioning and everything? Else? I'm going to tell you something. One of the questions I get asked all the time is, why do you write books for women as a male? Why don't you write some books for men? I said, because most men don't think anything's broken. <laughs> Women always always think something's broken. They're the most phenomenal investors. And in limited partnerships that I've worked in, uh, I remember um, the babe, the writing the story of Babe Ruth for Broadway. um, The investors were men and women. And I love women investors because they ask you so many questions. Mm -hmm. They will ask you the most hypothetical questions. They will ask you everything about the investment, the return. Well, Robert, what happens if you die? (laughs) Who's going to take over? Because, and I love them because by the time they make a decision to do it or not do it, to invest, you've thoroughly answered all their questions. Men won't do it. I would get a phone call from somebody on the golf course said, I'm going to invest 50,000. I said, well, did you read the prospectus? No. Well, why are you doing it? He said, well, John did it. So I'm going to do it. It was, so it's a much different pattern of thinking. The insecurities, yes, the insecurities are there. But remember, in the male dominant world, my father was a laborer. My father had a sixth grade education. He worked from the fields. But my father, a week before he died, saw his granddaughter graduated from Harvard Medical School. That's awesome. Two generations, in less than two generations, this happened because that young woman believed she could do anything. Because my father and my mother used to make us believe there's nothing we can't do. There's nothing we can. Now, I personally think my father did it for his own ego. Uh, That just was his pattern, his narcissism. In other words, don't embarrass me, make me look good. But the end result was we actually believed we could probably do anything. And I think that's what's important. Kathy has that experience Shelly, you've had that experience. Mm-hmm. And again, uh, I'm sure the brick in your hand to me is so symbolic. It took you yeah. to the very edge to respond. And I got some attention. Um, yes, you did. <laughs> of course, my ex-husband said part of it was because I have red hair. It's like, no. <laughs> As my mother would say, you could dye your hair, but you can't dye your soul. And certainly I was born a redhead. And yes, I guess there's that fiery disposition, but there's something else there. You know, it is who you are. Well, that's that spirit. Yes. You know, that spirit. And again, I think women have an inherent inner spirit to conquer. That protective nature that they have uh, can. It's not just taking care of family and feeding and clothing and guiding them, but it truly is having that ability to dream and reach those dreams. Do you think also women... When they're trying to accomplish something in work, they're very torn, they feel guilty, they, they have the maternal instinct that kicks in, or they think, gee, I'm not being a good wife, or if they're caretaking for parents, a lot of people are doing that today as parents get older. They feel like they have the weight of the world on their shoulders, and they got to do it all, and it's like, well, maybe I don't need to pursue my career as hard, or maybe I'm just being selfish. Sure. Mm-hmm. Guilt is yeah. powerful. Yeah. Guilt is powerful. And we see it across the board. It's not just about income. Be careful with girlfriends. You'll have the girlfriend who loves you as a great friend. As soon as a man comes into her life, you don't hear from her. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's patterns here that women follow that becomes toxic. Family can be toxic. Men, girlfriends can be toxic. Um, it's very different today. And I think the reason 
you know, monogamy was a huge thing. Men were always the cheaters. We now have a 50-50 balance. Why? Well, we have the internet. It allows someone can just listen to you. It's very provocative for a woman to have somebody finally listen to her and slowly gain that empowerment. Mm-hmm. And so I think we, we have to measure every single part of our lives. It isn't just about becoming an entrepreneur. I think it's becoming, I think it's that self-assurance, that Kathy Shelley turning point that makes them take control back of their lives and say, of course I can do it. Why not? And I think where Kathy's talking something extremely physical that they wouldn't match her up. We've also seen it in what we might call the, the whole technology side. Uh, Google, um, Apple saw women coming up that were as good of engineers as males, even better. And scientists that are women that are doing remarkable things. And we always think, I mean, there's, you know, there's a whole, you know, the sense of humor when people think of doctor, this doctor, that doctor, this, the first question they say is, is what did he tell you? And I'll always say, what did she tell me? Because our brains always are triggered that this is a male dominated job and not female. And my dad, you know, was self-taught. He finally owned a construction company. And I remember two of the women that worked for him that operated backhoe machines, they would make fun of my father for hiring women. But he says, I asked him one time, and I had a very strong mother, so there's the influence. Mm-hmm. I said, well, why did you hire women? He says, why not? He says, when she sits up there operating that backhoe, she's got the same physicality, the same mental ability to do the same job. And she's a hell of a lot more reliable. <laughs> so I thought I thought that was an interesting. I thought that was an interesting topic. <laughs> well, actually, Kathy, uh, the uh, studies have shown that women uh, have they're safer drivers, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. We are. We don't drive it like we stole it. But I think everything you two talk about is so important because it goes far beyond. You know, um, it's a mental operation. It's it's convincing young women they can. You don't know how many women I hear from young women who have been derailed by their significant other. And it's painful. It's painful to hear and painful to see. And it will take them another 10 years to come to that realization. But wouldn't it be amazing that women at 15, 16, 17, as they mature into adulthood, you know, have this inspiration and with shows like yours we're going to have it we've just got to get young women to start listening to both of you I, thank you yeah i agree i mean I, I see it in the youth all the time and, and the biggest message that i that i give to them is you got to believe in the person you want to become and don't listen to what other people are saying you know who cares what 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 your boyfriend thinks or says if, if he doesn't like you the way they are ditch him yeah 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 and Absolutely. i think don't tolerate the, the negative input just and don't we have, cut it off, right? Yeah, and we have that in our relationships. I mean, that's it's pivotal. It's a big part of our thinking. We have taboo subjects. Uh, sex is a huge taboo subject, you know, and, you know, men will use love to get sex. Women use sex to get love. Mm-hmm. There's a passion that we have of wanting to be cared for and loved. And sometimes we misinterpret that and we apply it to other things and we suddenly lose control by giving the significant other the control to your future, your pathway, the way you're going, the decisions you're making. And I think statistically, though, it's the reverse. Males go to women to help make decisions. And in studies that we've done, studies that we've seen, it's amazing that even young gay men will go to a woman to help make a decision. So every consumer decision made in the American home today are by women. Real quick, had a client in London. Builders, contractors. I looked at all their ads. I said, I'm sorry. They're just terrible. They're messy. I don't know what to tell you. I say women are going to make the decisions whether to give the go-ahead or remodel a home. They go, what? No, men make the decisions. This is my argument with my client. I said, you're wrong. So I convinced them to change all their ads to, we change it to blue. We change women in the pictures. Women were helping making the decision on blueprints to remodel. Anyway, long story short, their sales went up 300%. As soon as they started focusing on women, because when you remodel a home, it's not a male world. The female will make all the decisions on what it looks like, what it's going to come out like, or he's worried about the mess and the dirtiness and moving stuff out. So it's really important 
that we start thinking the right way, that women are controlling the consumer decisions in this country. They are. But it's interesting that the ad agencies have taken decades to get that. It's been going on for a long time. And uh, case in point, women, I think, make more of the buying decisions in terms of vehicles. But yet when they go in to have their car worked on or their SUV, they get a lot of crap still from the service department, you know. Is your husband going to come? There's a there's a dealership, Proctor dealership in Florida, Southern Florida. And they hired me and my focus was strictly women. Mm-hmm. Women, I said, go after the women. They're making the decisions on the car purchase, not the guy. Mm-hmm. The guy will come in and look at it. It's okay, well, let me think about it. He's going to go home and ask his wife for permission. Right. You think we should buy this? And so they did, and their sales went skyrocketed. They started saying, they started saying, come in here. We'll help you make the decision. They've got women salesmen. They had women mechanics. And it's done blossoming business. So it's real. And I just think that if you can uh, reach each generation, and we also have this prejudice on age. Yep. I have two clients, three clients that are over seven years old. They're starting their second life and doing things, new businesses, new work. And that's what's exciting. You know, and again, all this is based on what this entire subject is about stereotyping. There's a lot of stereotyping that goes into women, you can't do this, you can't do that. I mean, let's pigeonhole. And if you're over the age of 40, well, you know, maybe you shouldn't be thinking about that. And maybe you want to dress differently, honey. You know, this kind of stuff. It's it's still out there. Well, if you look, uh, minorities got, uh, men, minorities, got the right to vote long before women did. Women had to fight for it. I mean, it seems like we have to fight for everything we want to do and you talk to women i mean i you know on twitter i'm talking to morgan fairchild uh share you know they're over 70 years old and doing magnificent things and they're still extremely active but there's such a prejudice and i think women bear even more of it because you can't wear your hair long you're over 60 you know i mean Mm, it's some really silly rules that somebody made (laughs) you know you know, David Ogilvie, the founder of advertising back in the 1950s, um, he said, well, why do you, you know, focus on women? This is the 1950s. And he says, well, he says, the consumer is not a moron. The consumer is your wife. And his point way back then is exactly what you just said. And that is the decisions are coming from women. So why has it taken society so long to acknowledge that? Probably because of stupid men. I mean, I think they kind of, I mean, hmm. go back, go back even to our forefathers when they wrote the Constitution. Yeah. They simply had one, one thing in mind, that the only voters would be white men who owned property. Right. That was it. Yep. Yep. Women were never, ever considered in, that, in those days. So no. there's our breeding. There's our oh. thinking. There's our DNA. Women back then were chattel. They were property. Absolutely. And and I think that's probably why it's taken so long. But the interesting thing is in the 1960s, no one thought that by the, you know, 2022, that we we would still be holding on to some of these old patterns, that the woman belongs in the home, cooking and raising children, and the men go out and do the hunt, you know, again, these, the thinking and the patterns were designed by men. But believe me, without women, we would, ne- we would never advance to where we are today. I totally agree. I remember I my, agree. Mother, my mother teaching me something about grammar and the, the importance of a comma. There was a sentence she taught me, without commas. What was it? Woman without her man would be savage. Now you add some commas to the sentence. Woman, comma, without her, man would be savage. <laughs> Absolutely. She, she, the, the power, the power of the comma. Uh-huh. Yes. You, you guys are right on point. <laughs> and, and it also impressed upon me as a child that, you know, there's a real good purpose here for women in a man's <laughs> life. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors. Coming up. Industry movement Trucking Moves America Forward is telling the story of the industry. Are safety champions? 
the women of trucking, independent contractors, the next generation of truckers, and more. Help us promote the best of our industry. Share your story and what you love about trucking. Share images of a moment you're proud of. And join us on social media. Learn more at TruckingMovesAmerica.com. Welcome back to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. My brother, who's now, gosh, in his late 70s, but very active as a physician, and he still works in ER. He's a specializes in trauma care. And, you know, he once told me years ago, he said, well, he says, without nurses, we would be dead in the water. We'd be all imbeciles, you know, and he said, and they run the show. And he's right. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we are interlinked. It's not one better than the other. There's a need for both. And there's got to be a harmony between the two. And the most beautiful thing a man can do, you know, I remember lecturing in San Diego and there were 600 students. I mean, this was after the first book. And I remember a woman, there's male and females, both in the audience. And a woman raised her hand and she says, well, um, she says, what do you think makes a good lover? And the guys, of course, screamed and yelled and hollered all this stuff out. And I said, a man who listens. And I said, if a man could listen, she will tell you everything. And I think that's the one thing we don't do. We don't listen anymore. And I especially, I've gone after the medical field, um, the lost art of listening by doctors. And they don't. And I think a good physician, male or female, brings you in. And really, the answer is listen to the patient. The patient's going to tell you exactly what's going on. You're not going to tell them. And I think we don't listen anymore. And I think what's important in whether in, you know, in Kathy's example, she listened to her inner self. Yep. She could do it. You listened to that self when you picked up that brick. It was such a moving time. Oh, you yeah. have to change the story you're telling yourself. That was the bottom line with me. Like I had to change everything. Uh, my old patterns of thoughts, of, of way of, you know, like I had to unlearn basically everything I had been taught. I had to relearn who Kathy really was. And then I had to accept how freaking awesome I am. Yeah, that's sure. right. Yeah. Because we've been taught not to do that, not to say that. And I think yeah. In, in, yeah. In, the, in the Trillion book, I think in the first few chapters, uh, one is called The Awakening. The next one, guess who's in charge? The next one's Can You Spell Independent? The next one's a mirror, mirror on the wall. Then is change. And I literally lead women by the hand each step of the way to make sure you can look in the mirror and realize, my God, it's me. I'm the one in charge of my own life. But it takes me four chapters to get there because that's the thinking process, because it's so easy to be derailed. And then you get to a point where you find that independence. And guess what? They're not going to like it. Mm -mm. Your friends and lovers aren't going to like your change. They're not going to like it. They don't want you to change because it's uncomfortable for them. They want you in a certain place. That's right. And your independence is not where they want you. Yeah. You can have female friends who are like, oh, you don't want to try that. You know, instead of being a champion for you, uh, Mm -hmm. let's undermine it. Um, Well, it's it's a mirror to themselves. You know, if you do it, then it means I should address doing it myself. So it's really uncomfortable. Uh, I remember Annie, my wife, had a, uh, a girlfriend who had a PhD, and um, she would always demean what Annie did. And it was, well, it's a great thing you met Robert. All, her, all my wife's success was because of me, according yeah. to her thinking. But that was her pattern. Annie was, a, was independent in her own right. She was a production designer. She was extremely creative. I was lucky to have met her. And but to her girlfriend, the girlfriend was always trying to say it's because of Robert. Well, despite that it was the opposite, it didn't matter. But and Annie was strong enough to realize I mean, I could see in moments she was impacted by her so-called girlfriend's comment. Mm. But we can't let other people do and And it will come from other people. It will come from people that you think love you. Do you think Mm -hmm. that women are taught growing up to be jealous of each other? 
because oh, absolutely. Uh, you know hey she's got a prettier dress than you do oh wow look at the guy she's with so i mean you immediately are in a, a sparring contest even with automatically your friends. yeah it's triggered it's triggered uh, female to female mm-hmm. and in my opinion um especially more in multi-ethnic groups we will see that too you'll see you'll see it in cultures where um, no, you know, you, your guy's better looking or more successful than my boyfriend. And so they'll start to demean you and start to find problems. You cannot be happier than her. You cannot be more successful than her. And you just said it early on, what you need, a true friend is going to be the one who's applauding you. Oh, yeah. And who's going to be just wonderfully happy for you as that spotlight hits you. That's true. That's the heartfelt part of friendship. When when women can't work together, it, it weakens us. I mean, if we're a unified front, that's how you get things to change. And I think we would have seen change. That's exactly on point. But, you know, we were talking about the power of women and consumer. Well, mm. you're individual in little neighborhoods and you have tremendous power. When you come together politically, whether it doesn't matter what side of pol- political reins you're on, the important part is politically we've seen major change. And that's really important. We're the only country in the world that has not recognized that women can lead countries. They can be yeah. marvelous leaders. Uh, I've, I met uh, the first uh, uh, general, lieutenant general uh, in the military, in the Marine Corps. She's a female and she's leading more troops than any troop than anyone has in history. This is their, uh, I don't know, my, I mean, I have, I, I truly have a saying. I think if we can get women leading the world, um, we'll have a hot, we'll have less conflict and less problems. But yeah. that's my own personal opinion. I just think that we need to break patterns, our thinking patterns. And that's why your books are so very important to get people to think differently and break those patterns. And it's tough to do. I mean, you're, you're conditioned from a very early age. And, and you know, let, if, let me leave yeah. you with one last thing that, that women uh-huh. should be concerned about. And I won't go into the heavy details of narcissism. And that is narcissism can be healthy, can be very dangerous. And narcissism, if you go onto Amazon and you typed in narcissism and mothers, Mm -hmm. you're going to see a myriad of books come up because a big conflict are the mothers that demean their daughters, not their, not their sons, but demean their daughters well throughout life. Well, until mother before mother passes away, they will demean their children, their daughters. And it's really an important subject for another time. But I guarantee you, to your listeners, your women, you've not got support from your moms. I mean, those that have great relationship with mom and you can do anything, that's wonderful. Yeah. But a majority of women find conflict with their own mothers. Why and is you it? you can never be good enough. Why is it mothers do that? It's narcissism. It's mm-hmm. purely genetic. It's the, I guarantee you, when you look at a narcissistic family, you'll see a pattern. And grandmother was that way, or great grandmother was that way, or great grandfather was that. It's in that DNA pattern. I mean, believe me, in my documentaries, I've interviewed serial killers, I've interviewed politicians, actors, and they all are narcissistic. Now, the difference is some have the violent sociopathic side to them, uh, others just have strictly a selfish tendency about them. Mm-hmm. And, but it is inherent so often with mothers and daughters. And I guarantee you it's a topic and a subject that women who are entrepreneurs and truckers and out there doing this will sit and listen to this and say, my God, you just described my mother. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it is interesting with the narcissistic mother because you can have, they can have maybe two daughters and one will be the fair haired child. The other one's the scapegoat. Happens often. Mm -hmm. It happens. They'll pick one child, but they typically pick that child to demean the other child. In other words, why can't you be like Mary? Yeah. I mean, it happens in a lot of families. I mean, my older brother was a high achiever and our family always compared him. We always were compared to him. And it's very unhealthy because my interest was always in writing and the arts. It wasn't, I, I put myself into pre-pharmacy school, just bored as could be. Um, and that was not going to work. And, and I mean, I've gone through so many different parts of my life and that, um, uh, it, it happens to both men and women. I mean, males will be demeaned by their parents as well, and they'll be the fair-haired child who's great. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, and my mother is always favored, you know, in her world, if you were a lawyer or a physician, well, that's it. That, that's, mm-hmm. you've reached a great thing. When that's I right. went into the, when I went into writing the arts, oh, it was, <laughs> it was like my mother uh, went to the church and started praying to the patron saint to try to turn me around. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it happens. Sure. And, and it didn't discourage you. You still pursued your dreams, which is very Yeah, important. I think, yeah. you know, it's, I'm, I'm a fanatic about research, education, information, trying to understand what we do, why we do it, even with documentaries that I've done. I've always wanted to know why we got here to a certain place or an individual or a story. You know, how did we, what happened behind the scenes that we need to, can we learn from this? Can we empower one another? And I think that's important. I love your messages here, Robert. And yeah, me too. You're you're oh, awesome. Thank you guys. You're just awesome in every way. How's that? Yes. <laughs> well, you two are the messengers. You know, I can I can sit here and philosophize and I can write about it, but you're on the front line. And I think I'm you are the leaders. You are the leaders here. They're gonna inspire, even if we get one person out there listening to the two of you, mm-hmm. going, you know what? They're right. I've been saying no to something that I've been wanting to say yes to. And that's, that's it. My greatest satisfaction was getting emails from young women who would read the book and said, you know, you changed my life. They had that aha moment. I had a woman who wrote me, she says, you know, I'm in my fifties and I was convinced by everyone that I can't do what I want to do. I can't start my own business now that my husband died. I now have some freedom and independence. He would never want me to do this. And I'm going to do it because of your book. And I got to tell you, that's just, a phenomenal feel. You know, I agree with my book, Dream Big, um, that when I get messages from people all around the world who've read it, it just, it, it touches me in a way that like, oh my gosh, I did make a difference. You know, I am helping people. I am changing lives. And that is priceless. There's no amount of money that can do that, right? Yeah. What a, and what a beautiful title too, because you have to dream big. And again, uh, we, we need to educate people on a failure. Um, you know, we take failure... Failure is a lesson that just says redirect, remap, you know, find the new blueprint. Um, that's all that means. And um, dreaming big is huge. And I and I actually put the cover the the my truck on the cover of the book. They wanted to put my picture, and I'm like, no one will buy the book. <laughs> you got to put something that is going to stop people in their tracks, right? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. A, a truck the size of the house will will accomplish that. <laughs> yes, it will. Yeah. From a marketing point of view, brilliant decision. Um, Thank you. It, it, it is. And as I said, I think that's what this core values of lesson to learn. And again, we could go on forever to talk about people that are out there to derail you. And unfortunately, it takes far too much energy and yeah. too much time, but it has to be realized that, uh, you know, I, I remember, you know, I wrote a, in the book, I write about the bad boy. You know, why do women pick the bad boy when all the signs are there? Uh Because women think they can fix things. Mm -hmm. Women think they can fix it. Then they've done that. Yeah. yeah, Then they can, they get consumed. They fall into it. And he's a bad boy because he's bad. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) But we see, we do see patterns. And a lot of this in our business and our dream and dreaming big, we cannot ignore the personal decisions we make in our emotional part of our life, because they can, they can really impact us. Where do people find your book, Robert? I love your insight. Uh, Amazon, um, all, all the online stores, uh, Barnes and Noble, um, both books. The first book is, is the, for younger women, yet everyone said anybody of any age could read The Theory of Swag, A Young Woman's Guide to Success and Wealth. And the second one is The Trillion Dollar Gal, uh, and again, the, the trillion dollar gal is about women empowerment. It's the new, it's the new empowerment of power. And that's what we're looking at. And that's what's happening right now. So uh, both of them. And again, it's like dream big. I think these are books that you just want to have close to you to keep reminding yourself, you can do it. And Absolutely. my books, and I don't know about dream book, but these books are generally designed to keep it close to you because you want to make a reference because guess what? we're going to screw up. Mm -hmm. You know, I write a, I write a chapter in here about dating and um, with all the knowledge and research that I did, I made a decision and I picked a narcissistic woman uh, when I was dating and I knew going into it, it was bad. 
I knew going into it and I was, the physicality was overpowering the mental state of me. And sure enough, in a short period of time, she proved to be a narcissistic abuser. And so it happens to everyone. Sure. And I think what you have to do is what both of you have done. You, you stood up, dusted yourself up and went at it again. And as simple as that sounds, it takes, it truly takes a village. And I think you guys are that village to help, you know, women saying, I can do this. I can overpower this. This person in my life is not good. And when you have many, many people in relationships out of convenience, I know people that cannot not have a man in their life or cannot mm-hmm. have a woman in their life. Yeah. Yeah. They, yep. must, they can't be alone. Right. And so they keep picking bad on Twitter. It's kind of funny. There are women who you'll see their patterns. There's one particular woman who's a great artist, but emotionally she's a wreck. Her husband walked out on her. And in a very short period of time, she would say, I think I met a great guy and you'd follow her. And three weeks later, well, he took all my money or he did something negative. Yeah. And then she keeps picking different men and she puts it there on Twitter and women are telling her the same thing. You don't see a pattern. Now, I would never say a word because I still find that I need permission to come in and mm-hmm. guide someone. I don't yeah. I would never give an opinion uh, as a male. And again, but as I said, I think that if we can encourage people to listen to programs like yours, get the word out that, you know, invite a friend to listen to you guys. Um, that's all they need. They need yeah. to hear it from another woman who's been there. She can show this. She can show the wounds. <laughs> right. Thank you so much for being with us, Robert. I love the time. Thank you both yeah. for taking the time. You've been a real gem. Yes. Thank real you, guys. Thank you, you know, for sharing with me. And I'm going to pick up Dream Big. Awesome. <laughs> Thank That's you. Terrific. And you know, Robert, I think it would be great to have you back sometime. Uh, you've got a lot of great insight. Your new documentary on the neuroscience. Uh, what, what's yes. the title of that again? It's called The Neuroscience of the American Woman. Wow, it's in pre-production. Wow. It's a powerful documentary that really, we talk about car designers that are women. When uh-huh. I tell that's a great, there's another story right there. That everybody thinks, well, who designed the, the, mini, the mini truck or the, the SUV? And everybody thinks, everybody always thinks men design cars. There's a massive number of women out there that have designed the latest cars that we have. That would be great. When is this coming out? We're hoping it'll be out in the fall. Uh, okay. We're in pre-production now, so if everything goes well, it, it, there's talks that it may be January of next year, but I will be more than happy to communicate with you guys when That'd it happens. Great. Great. Okay. We'll look forward to that. Thank you so much, Robert. We really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. We hope everybody's enjoyed this episode. And if you want to hear more episodes of Women Road Warriors or learn more about our show, be sure to check out womenroadwarriors.com. And please follow us on social media. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. If you want to be a guest on the show or have a topic or feedback, email us at sjohnson at womenroadwarriors.com. Mm-hmm.